This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Dreamland, we've got a great guest who I think you're going to love. You've She's been on the show every once in a while over the past umpteen years, <laughs> so we always have a wonderful time together. When Echo Bodine comes on the show, Anne in her lifetime loved Echo, and I have a feeling that lady who is very much involved in all of this right now yeah. is very much involved in this show. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear from her, or we don't. I, we never know. Okay. But anyway, I want to welcome Echo Bodine to give you an idea of who she is. She is a spiritual healer of the first order and a writer. Obviously, she's been on numerous national television shows. She's been on this show for Hands That Heal, Echoes of the Soul. I believe we did the Book of True Ghost Stories years ago, some years ago. And now she is back with a wonderful, wonderful book that I think is so important called how to Live a Happily Ever Afterlife. It's a little book. It's not huge. It's fun, easy reading, and boy, is it wise. Stories of trapped souls and how not to become one. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Echo. I'm so glad to have you. Wet, I love coming on your show. We just have so much fun. We're like we're like two little five year olds that just <laughs> we are. We're like a couple of kids still. But yep. yeah, and you know, it's so important to have that sense of fun about yeah. your life, and you do. And you know, you've you've like me and many people, most of us, we've all had hard times in our lives. Yep. But here you are. Yep. Here I am. Now, the theme of today's show is belief, mm -hmm. I think, is the best way to put it. Now, why would I say that? Uh, you know, Echo, uh, I think that, let's do this. Let's start with what happens, uh, you might hear some um Bings and sounds, folks, in the in the background. The site, or rather, this computer is under attack from a hacker at the moment. Oh, oh, it happens all the time. They're used to it. Oh, and, uh, uh, it uh, the website and the, and my computer. It's pretty ordinary, but they they will fail to get through. We've already determined that. So, but the, the you'll hear the software kicking oh. them out from time to time. Okay. All right. Uh, now, how to live a happily ever afterlife. Why did you call it that? Well, you know what? When I first wrote the book, the title was going to be um, How to Prevent Yourself from Becoming a Ghost. Okay. <laughs> and then when I turned it into my publisher, he said, Echo, this should be called How to Live Happily Ever After Life. And it's just it just I loved the title so I mean he was the one that came up with it well it's a good title but the other title is also very expressive yes. because it's about something that we have all experienced mm -hmm. why don't we 
Why don't we move a little bit into the world of ghost stories? You've got so many great ghost stories yep. floating around in your head. Thank uh, you. What is a ghost? Okay, first of all, a ghost is simply a person. It, I mean, every one of us has a soul. And when we die, our souls, normally the routine is we <clears throat> follow, we go towards the light. Um, but there's lots of folks who stay earthbound. And in the 30 plus years that I did what we all famously call ghost busting, um, you know, when I just got to know these ghosts. I would always, and this came from my guides. I didn't, I, I, I always do it with my brother, Michael. And um, they taught, the guides taught us, okay, just ask them what their name is and why they're here. And, you know, you know, Whitley, the first time I ever went on a ghost busting job, uh, and that was way before, oh my gosh, way before the movie came out and it got that title. My mom and I went to a haunted house and Whitley, I went, I went up to this person's attic expecting to see some white blob like Casper. That's what I thought a ghost looked like. I thought a ghost was just a white blob. I I didn't really know what I was looking at, but or for, but there were people invisible people in her attic that were transparent. And I remember looking at my mom saying, Why are those people over there in the corner? And my mom, she didn't know any more than I did. And she said, I don't know. And into my head came the words, my husband was an alcoholic and a smoker. We all perished in the fire and he won't let us go to the other side. And I looked at my mom and I said, did you, did you just hear that? And she said, yeah. And okay, so I'm thinking, okay, there's people over there in the corner, but where is Casper? And the fact that I never saw a white blobby little blob I just thought okay well there's people in her attic but there's no ghost up here I did not know that a ghost was the soul of someone it took me a while to put two and two together so that was my first experience we didn't really know what to do we just <laughs> just okay we, we, we said to these people okay well you can't stay here and uh, they went through the wall but then when we got home, my mom's friend called her and said, well, all the noise is back in the attic. So <laughs> we just kind of hung up our, uh, our ghost hats and we had to learn. We just had to learn. And after that, whenever someone would call and say, you know, I hear you have psychic abilities. Would you come and look in my attic? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I would tell people, uh, yeah, I'll come and look in your attic, but I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I would go to people's attics and there would be people again, people, transparent people. And I don't know when I don't know when I went, wait a minute. That's what a ghost is. It's people. It's not some little white blobby thing like Casper. And so it was at that point when the guides, my guides said, okay, just ask them what their name is, ask them why they're here. And that's what we did every time we went on a job. 
And that's when we came up with these six common reasons why souls choose to stay earthbound. And we're going to talk about those in just a minute. Free okay. Dreamlanders, we'll be right back. Okay. We're talking to Echo Bodine, her new book, How to Live a Happily Ever Afterlife. We don't want to be ghosts, do we? No, we don't. No. <laughs> okay, well, tell us a little bit about why people become ghosts. Okay. One of the reasons is people don't believe in life after death. And so when, when we, they say to us, well, I don't believe in life after death, it, it's like, well, okay, but, but you're here. You're here in this person's attic or basement or closet. Um, so, you know, obviously there is life after death. And, and they're just like, no, there isn't. And then we say, okay, well then, <laughs> what? Then, I mean, we, it just, it, it just floors me every time something like this happens. Like they're, they're there, they're alive, but they still think there's nothing like life after death. That's and they don't, but they don't know they're dead. Sometimes they don't know they're dead, but you know, that's one thing I have found is that um, the majority of ghosts, I've maybe met two ghosts in all the years I did this work that didn't know they were dead. And I, you know, I kind of think like they were more in denial. Um, there was this one ghost, his name was Kenneth. And he, you know, with that was the first time I'd ever seen a ghost. I always see them dressed in regular clothes, nothing scary. But this one young man, uh, Kenneth, when he showed up, he had on a military uniform and he had a big hole blown right through the middle of him. And I remember thinking, what the heck? I never see it like this. I never see, even, even if they died in a war uh, and it was all bloody, uh, you, I never see that. I just see them in regular clothing. So I thought, well, now this is very interesting. Why? Why am I seeing this picture? And my guide, it was my guide that said, he doesn't know that he's dead. Oh, now this was, this was like in 1992 when I was at this lady's house. So I said to him, first of all, what's your name, Kenneth? I said, okay, <clears throat> Kenneth, why are you here? And uh, he, he said, I came home from Vietnam and these are his words. And this bitch is living in my house. And I'm just trying to get her out of here. <laughs> okay, now that was 1992. So right. I said, okay, Kenneth, what year do you think this is? He said, it's 1968. He was really angry. And I said, 1968? Yes. And I was in Vietnam. I came home. And this bitch is living in my house. I just want her out of here. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so my guide said, he doesn't know he died in Vietnam. And I thought, how do you? Okay, okay. And so when I, I said to my guide, oh, what do I do? And they said, tell him he's dead. And I thought, oh God, oh God, do I have to do this? And um, 
so I told him, oh, he was so angry. And he just loomed at me and um, told me to shut up. I'm not dead. And I just want this. He kept saying, I just want this B-I-T-C-H out of my house. And I thought, oh, my God, this is going to take all night. And uh, and it did. It took four hours because he kept leaving and then he'd come back and it would be like the conversation started all over again. It was bizarre. And is, is um, the memories the same in that level of reality as it is in this one. I mean, it's well, I've, I've sensed sometimes that people don't have the same kind of memory. Yeah, they don't remember. Right. Yeah, they don't. Um, it's fascinating. Some people are so confused. Um, you know, a lot of people that I've seen, even recently in the last year, when someone passes away and I tune in, you know what, what it is, is people that die fast. Those are the ones that I've seen that have the hardest time. If like a heart attack and then, right. and then, suddenly they're they're surrounded by deceased people friends and usually their first reaction is they're having a bad dream so it can actually take them like a day or two to come out of that thinking and say wait a minute you know um i'm not waking up from this dream and it can be hard on souls when it happens so fast and and then they end up on the other side. Or um, I've seen souls who, like, let's say somebody's in a car accident and their soul just stays right there. Even when they remove the car and take the body away, the soul just stands there waiting, waiting for its body to come back. There's, it's, they're confused. They don't really understand what's going on. Well, Annie is indeed with us, and she has got a question for you. Oh, she does, does she? Oh, she does indeed. And okay. I'm just smiling as you talked because I heard her saying, ask her how we live in order to be ready to die. You know what the main thing I think, Annie, is we have to talk about death. We just have to talk about it and not be afraid of it. So many clients I've had over the years that are terrified of dying, which I think has to do with past life stuff, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, and they don't want to talk about it. They're just, you know, they want to know how they can get out of it, not die. I mean, people are just so consumed with fear around death. And so I think that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book, too, was to get people talking about death. And about their beliefs about death because i've really seen people believe about death the way their parents believed about death and so if their parents were really afraid then they are really afraid it's fascinating but really you know what we just need to talk we need to talk about it what do you what do we think it's going to be like on the other side that's what i've seen a lot of i um, need to talk is the, is the music that's coming on your end or mine did you the music did you hear any music no no music in here which <laughs> okay well we've definitely got quite a crowd here today not everybody needs uh needs to it, it, it can be seen but uh, 
we're we're definitely have got a crowd here, and I feel a lot of happiness and a lot of amusement. Good. <laughs> Are there many dead people who find you amusing and think you're funny? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I, uh, let's see. How many ghosts have found me amusing? Uh, maybe zero. I think I don't. Zero. <laughs> well, I, I have news for you. There's one over there behind me who definitely likes you and thinks you're amusing. And she's saying, don't forget to say the word joy at Whitley. And that was Anne's mantra, have joy. Okay. And I can see it in your face. You've got a lot of it. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. You do. Yeah, and you've, you're just like me, folks. I mean, she's had, Echo, let me tell you, we're not going to get into it. We've talked about this on the show before. She, she had a rough life. I mean, she's she definitely, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Here's this thing and i'm going to sort of work through this with uh certain i've had a lot of experience in engaging with the dead too I imagine. And, but uh, and i can use that in in our discussion when my after my grandmother died she was obsessed with the houses she had created okay. and uh she she had had a beautiful home it's quite true but she wouldn't, she, I think she knew she was dead, but she wouldn't acknowledge it and accept it. And I had, it took me six years to get her to finally turn around and look at me instead of looking at the houses. And she, when she finally turned around, her eyes, the irises in her eyes turned to gold and she, poof, she shot up and was gone. Oh, good. Yeah, finally, six yeah. years of coming back and forth, off and on. And uh, so tell us about people who get stuck. Yeah. Um, you know, that reminds me of, a, well, actually, a few different jobs where, gosh, you know, it's just so interesting. Uh, people that hold on to things. Uh, there was one gentleman, all right, I didn't plan on talking about this one, but there was one gentleman who um, <laughs> he was deceased and he lived in his, I think, I think if memory serves me correctly, a 56 Chevy. And when he died, uh, it, because I asked him, I walked by this car and I thought, wait a minute, did I just feel somebody? And I turned around and I looked in this car that was sitting out in this lady's yard. I mean, it was just like a junked car. And I looked and in the back seat was a ghost, a man. So I said to him, um, hello, um, uh, what are you doing in here? And he, he said, this is my car and I'm living in my car. And I said, okay, do you know that you're deceased? Yeah. Okay, and you don't want to go to the other side? No. So you just want to live in your car? Yeah. Oh, so I went in the house and I told the lady, I said, okay, there's a man living in his 56 Chevy. And she said, oh, that's my husband. She said he loved that car more than any of us. And I said, well, he's living in his car. He hasn't gone on to the other side. She said, oh, I'm not surprised at all. I'm sure he'll be there long after all of us are gone too. It was just a matter of fact thing in their, in their household. He could not let go of his car. Uh, 
Um, I've met ghosts who built a house. And then when like new owners come in and they want to change things in the house, like maybe add a room, the ghost, uh-uh. No, not going to have anything to do with that. And um, so they start taking tools from the construction workers. They hide the tools. They um, appear to the workers to the point where the workers come to the owners and say, we're not working here. There's ghosts in this house. And that's when people call us and we go in and there's, you know, this one guy's name was Mr. Peterson. And he said, um, they're trying to change my house and I don't want them to change my house. And so I'm not going to let the workers do this. And I said, well, but you've been, you're deceased. You need to let go of the house. No, no, I built this house. This is my house. Well, Mr. Peterson, you know what, what, what we learned, what the guide said was just tell them they can build a better home on the other side. And he said, I can. And we said, yeah, this isn't the only house you'll ever build. Oh, oh. And then he became willing to move on to the light. So I've seen this with other homeowners, too, who <laughs> I should say home. Yeah, owners who haunt a house that they actually built because um, they don't want to let it go. Free Dreamlanders. I have good news and bad news. The good news <laughs> is we'll be back, and the bad news is listen to these ads. And please do subscribe to unknowncountry.com. Most of you never will and never do, but you should because we need you. I have to pay a lot of money for this to do this, and you could help me. I could use that. Yeah, that's right. We're back with Echo Bodine. Echo has a marvelous website which uh, in which you can uh, engage with all of the people that she works with. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about it, Echo, and tell us the name of it as well? I always ask the guests to do that because for some reason, people hear it more carefully, more clearly when the guest oh. says it. Well, of course. It's very simple. It's called echobodine.com. Or is it just Echo Bodine, I think? No, probably Echo Bodine. God, I don't know. Uh, probably Echo Bodine. <laughs> what about the spirituality website? Yes, you know uh, what? Virtualspiritualitycenter.com. Yes. It's really cool. Um, www.virtualspiritualitycenter.com. And yeah. it's really cool, Whit, because... People all over the planet, if they're looking for a good healer, a good psychic, numerology, astrology, oh gosh, what else do I have on there? Um, good healers, uh, they can go on there and see the folks and see what they do and they can connect with them that way. So it's really a nice service. Yeah, that, 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 I thought that was the one we wanted to talk about uh, because it is, uh, uh, it's valuable because, you know, like, for example, I've never done numerology and I don't believe I've even talked about it on this TV radio show. What? So tell, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Because you're very accomplished. You're oh, so my gosh. What? 
you have to have it done. Oh, I'm going to refer you to somebody. Oh, my God. Oh, good. He is the best. And uh, his name is Wes Hamilton. And oh, gosh. Okay. First of all, I wish I could explain it to you. I can't. It's just that each number or each letter has a number to it. And so they add up all the numbers in your name. And this guy is phenomenal. I, I don't know how they do it. But anyway, um, he's extremely helpful. God. And um, just a really nice, humble guy. You know, he just loves his work. He and his wife work together. And, um, oh, you just have to do it. Because I, I think you'll really enjoy it. I mean. Well, wonderful. Yeah. Well, great. I, I certainly will. And I'll I'll go on the on the website and uh, find out more about Wes Hamilton too. And you can yep. connect us up. Yep. Maybe I'll have him on the show. I oh. haven't had enough numerologists. So I think I've had one in the whole time I've been on this show oh, for over 20 years. Oh yeah. Whit, you should. He's a really nice guy and he really helps. He really helps people. I love referring people to him. So oh, good. I could, I could always use some help. Everybody could. Yes. Um, one of the interesting things in the book is you saying that some people remain earthbound because they, someone they want to avoid seeing on the other side. Yes. Yes. I can't tell you how many ghosts have said my ex-wife is over there. My ex-husband's over there. Uh, I've had ghosts say my parents are over there and I hate my parents. I never want to see them again. Um, one lady, ghost lady, um, her name was Sherry. She had been murdered. And then her boyfriend committed suicide. And she said, I'm sure he's over there and I never want to see him again. So she's just living earthbound. That's how she wants to be. Yeah. Lots of people don't like somebody that's deceased. But can they can they move over there without engaging with them? Yes. And you know what? They when, don't know that. No. So when I say to that, you know, heaven is a huge place. The chances of you running into that person are very slim. Plus, what we've learned is that when you get there, you can just tell the greeters, because there's greeters, um, you don't want to see your ex-husband or your ex-wife. I mean, you will be protected from seeing that person. And then at some point, if you want to meet with that person, you can. But no, they're not going to be standing there waiting to greet you. Um, you can call the shots. And... People are just stunned by that because I think they think as soon as they get there, that person's going to be standing there waiting for them. And they just need someone to guide them and say, no, you don't have to see that person. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah, I, I would think it would be. And now what about people? And this is one of the most interesting things I thought in the book. of What about people who have done terrible things? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, that's the number one reason that we have found over all the years we've done this work is people are afraid if they go to heaven, God is going to send them to hell. And they will tell us, you know, I've, did, I've done some pretty bad things. Okay. And um, you know what, Whitley, one thing that I have learned over the years is that 
there is no actual hell like we think, like we've been taught. Um, like the angels have said to me, God would never create a place like that and send any of his children into a burning inferno until eternity. It's like, well, that's a nice thought. But, <clears throat> okay, all right, let me see. How do I say this real simply? Okay, so uh, one thing that I've realized is that our beliefs, it's like you started out the show saying we're going to talk about beliefs. And, and this is really important because what people believe heaven is going to be like is what they see when they first get there. And after a few days or even a few weeks, you know, they start to actually see heaven as it really is. But a lot of people, they have their beliefs. We all have our beliefs about what we think heaven is going to be. And when we get there, that's what we see. Okay. Now, for those people who think that they're going to go to hell, when they get over to the other side, that's what they expect to see. And the angels told me that our consciousness about hell, we humans have created a place on the other side that looks like hell. Okay. And so souls that go over to the other side, thinking they're going to go to hell, they go into this community. They go into the community and they're like, oh man, you know, I am in hell. I knew I was going to go to hell. But something starts to change in them because they realize what I'm just going to stand here and burn until eternity. I'm not burning. I'm <laughs> just hanging out here. And they start to question, okay, is this really what death is? Is this really, is there, are there other options here? And when they start to be willing to change their thinking and their beliefs, that's when they come out of that community and then they start to see heaven as it is. Now, isn't that interesting? It's our consciousness that's created this place. That, yeah, well, it is exactly, it is our consciousness that, yeah. you know, people always ask me about aliens and do they have afterlives and do they have, do we meet them and see them in the other world? And I don't recall anything in your book about it, but I, I think I want to ask the question of what you think about this, because I know it's going to be on my, my listeners' minds. You know what? Um, do you remember that scene that, scene i think it's in star wars about where everybody were was in the bar and yeah sure the bar scene is very famous in the first star yes, wars yes it is okay yes that's what heaven looks like okay there there is every kind of creature uh in heaven and we see them and you know what our soul isn't freaked out by them our soul remembers like if you see somebody from, uh, I don't know, um, some place that you lived, you'll see people there and you go, oh, my God, I remember my lifetime on that planet. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And you'll go up and you'll talk to these folks. So up there, but I should, 
the, the thing is there's different levels in heaven and um so I guess it also depends upon which level you're going to go to. But I, I think that all in all, yeah, we're all just walking around in heaven, just living our lives. Annie says um, she's she's made two comments just in the past minutes. Okay. First, uh, with when we were talking about other beings, other entities from other worlds in heaven, she said, you have to get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and yeah. uh, now she asks a question. Ask her about coming back. Okay. What would she like to know about coming well, back? Well, what is coming back about? Uh, do we return to Earth, I guess, would be? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Just because yeah. Earth, God, Earth, okay, so the whole point of all of this coming back is just to to grow and to gain as much compassion as we can. You know, my teacher put it, the way she put it was, the reason we have reincarnation is so that ultimately we can sit on the right hand of God. And I remember thinking, you know, I think I was 17 when she said that. And I thought, huh? What? I, I didn't understand that at all. Okay. But now I do. That um, this is all, all of these lifetimes is to understand our perfection, to understand our oneness with everything to have the same wisdom, love, compassion, understanding, uh, kindness that God has. And that can take oodles of lifetimes to get to that point where we have no more judgment about anybody, anything. We just understand it. We have compassion for everything that human beings go through. And that's why we come to this planet, because absolutely everything is is available to us here. I mean, think about it. Think of all the things that we go through just in one day. And so, especially now, Earth is so busy with oh God, disease, um, illness, the whole political stuff. I mean, oh, God. It, it's like it serves us up a platter every day of lessons we can learn from. You know, as you were talking about, saying about Earth, Anne made a comment. Uh, there's a waiting list for coming back here. Oh, I know. I know. I have heard that many times that um, there are so many souls just waiting for a body. And um, they're patient. A lot of them aren't patient. That's why some of them, they want to come back right away. You know, they come flying in. Um, but I agree with Anne that there's a big waiting list. And that's why people, you know, people... So many people don't take their lives seriously, which is really a bummer. And they'll probably, every time they come back for a while, they're going to, eh, I hate my life. I'm a victim, blah, blah, blah. They don't change their way of thinking. And each time each time we come in, we it's a new opportunity to change our beliefs, to change the way we think. Um, and yet what I've seen also is some of these souls, they get, we, no, all of us, we get stuck in these patterns and we just keep repeating the patterns over and over until finally something, one of our lifetimes shifts the pattern. And then we start looking at things in a different way and we start growing. Which is what is so important. Um, 
Annie, when she passed away, she said, I'm not Anne anymore, but I'll always be Anne for you. Yeah, she was referring to the fact that we we live many lives, and when we pass on, we remember all of those lives. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it would seem to me that in the afterlife, people are very different from the way they are here. Yeah, we are different because we're now living with our subconscious mind, which is the mind of our soul. And so now we have memories, knowledge of so many things. But, you know, it's kind of like how we are today. We've had a full life so far, but we don't we don't live in our past. We can we're aware of what we've been through before, but we just keep moving forward. And so, yes, we will remember a lot, but we will continue to move forward. The other thing, too, is, you know, a lot of one of the things my angel guide said to me is heaven is full of wounded souls. And so that's another reason why souls try to get back here soon so they can heal from the pain that they brought with them to the other side. A woman who died came to me. I I have quite a few people come to me and we'll talk more about that because I'm sure you have even more. Uh, It came to me asking me for help finding a good family to come back to. Oh, how do you give help like that? I think I did it, but I'm not sure. I've never been sure. And I so badly wanted to help her. Wow. Well, that's the job of the elders on the other side. You shouldn't have to help her with that. Well, maybe no one would because uh, that she was there for me, for sure. No question about it. And I tried. I found a family. And I hope I found a good family. but. Um, Tell us about the elders on the other side. I love the elders. You'll love the elders. They're they're just the coolest group of souls who have been through it all. And they they just want to help us. You know, I find that very curious that somebody would ask you to help her find a good family. Yeah. Wonder. Hmm. She'd had a rough life and been a, been a drug addict and hadn't had a good upbringing and okay. been very poor and all kinds of awful things. She'd had a really rough life. Okay. Okay. Well, I just find that very fascinating. I have never heard of that. Huh. So well, that's interesting. I, I'm fascinated that you've never heard of it. Never. So what did you do? Go to this family and say, hey, would you get pregnant? Because there's this lady. That no, was- I I looked inside my heart. Yeah. And I could find, and I found lots of families there, lots of different people. And while I was, she was with me, it was easy to do this. Okay. And I found a, a family, a young family, a man and woman who they already had one child. I don't know where they were. But I could see that there was a lot of love in that family and that they would heal her when she was a child. They would heal her hurt. And so I thought very much about them. And then suddenly she was gone. The mother was, the woman was just pregnant. That I did know. So I think she went into that woman. Oh, that gives me the chills. Wow. Yeah. 
never heard that before. I love it when I learn well, stuff. It, it probably all happens, you know. I mean, I'm probably I'm sure I'm not the only person who's had that happen. But uh, it moved me very deeply because this was a this was a great need, and it was a need I had a chance to fulfill, and I was extremely grateful for the opportunity. Wow. That given. That's that's just really cool. Uh, I'm amazed that we would <laughs> listen. One of the things that you don't talk directly about, you mention in the book, you have a, a gift of prophecy. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, pictures come in my head. Um, I hear words. Um, you know, what's interesting about this is, I mean, for years I did psychic readings and People always wanted to know about the future, and I, I would get visions of their future and tell them, and, and they would say, you know, it all happened. Okay. But in the last two years, and this was yeah, probably around the time the pandemic started, my guide said to me, no more readings. And I was like, what? And they said, you can't predict the future anymore it's too it's too um what would the word be um chaotic i think that's i think that's a good word for it because it was like it was like there's so much free will and people really aren't listening to their guidance for what's next the 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 pandemic threw everybody off and people just either went into fear or just tried to do the best they could. But the guides said, we can't predict people's futures anymore. And so now when I get visions of the future, um, it's kind of surprising when it comes in. And, and you know what? I could be like the other day, the other day. I was in the kitchen. I was, what was I doing? I was doing something. Like, you know, I could I could have been making scrambled eggs or something. And all of a sudden, there was a vision of Lisa Marie. She had died. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley, she had died. Um, uh, whoa. And I saw her on the other side. And, um, and they just showed me what she was going through. Now, I hadn't. <laughs> I was just scrambling eggs. I mean, this is how it comes in now is yeah. it's random stuff. And it seems because I said to the guides, okay, why are you showing me this? And they said, you need to ask the people on earth to send her a lot of love right now because she is so confused and can't believe, doesn't believe that she's deceased. She thinks she's having a bad dream. So tell people this and tell them, send her as much positive information. Tell her she is now deceased and she's in heaven. And that will help her to get a grip on what's going on. And so I did. That was an interesting thing. A lot of people had a hard time that I said that. But, you know, it you and I both know we can't worry about what people are going to say when stuff comes to us. It just comes to us and we're supposed to share. If the guides say share this with people, then I do. 
And um, and then I checked on her two days later. I was again in the kitchen, was doing something, and poof, it was like the heavens opened up and I saw her, and she was doing so much better. And uh, and then they said, okay, you can reassure people that she's doing fine now. So see, that's what that's what it's like now. Is I'm not doing readings, but I do get a lot of information just about future things. One of the things in the book that's very powerful and very short, but very powerful for me, at least it was, is one called making amends because we have to, we have to be able to ascend, be able to be very light of being and Annie, oops, (laughs) Annie back there, uh was um uh was like that she was she had nothing left to make amends for and she just sailed on i saw it happen uh tell us about making amends echo because it's Uh, important it's so important you know like the angels talk about don't bring your baggage home with you when you die um it's like uh go through your list who have you hurt go make amends um who hurt you forgive them um don't drag and they they show me a picture like a santa claus sack it's like don't drag your burdens home with you when you die leave it all here let it all go forgive the people that have hurt you and apologize make amends to the people that you've hurt go and talk with them and um and you know that's not easy for a lot of people because their ego gets involved and they don't want to admit that maybe they did something wrong. So, I mean, that in itself can pe- can keep people coming back to earth over and over, just that ego and that pride. And um, like they say, it's best to take care of it while you're there instead of bring it home. So. You know, Annie, you amaze me because what you're describing is exactly what she saw in her near-death experience she had in 2004, which was that she went into what she described as a sort of a big bus station, and everybody was sitting there holding their baggage. And her message was all after that. She would say to people, to anybody who would listen, you've got to put those bags down before you leave yes 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 that's why i mean with that's why the angels say heaven is full of wounded souls because we bring our baggage home with us you know because so many people think well when i die it's all going to be gone anyway no it stays with us our hurts and our pain and our woundedness stays with us and that's something that people need to be aware of how, how do we heal on the other side? Oh, you know what? I mean, think about it. You know what? When you pass on the other side, people are still going to come to you with all their alien questions. They're going to come to you. Oh, with, oh, no. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I it. it doesn't stop. You know, people that will oh, be like, Whitley Strieber's here? Oh, I got to talk to that guy. Okay. So there's lots of people over there that healers and therapists and doctors and nurses and, oh yeah, they, we help people on the other side to heal so that they don't have to come back. 
so that they can get it done over there. It's just like my teacher said, it's just a slower process over in heaven. So, you know, here we can take care of so many things in just a day or a week, whereas um, uh, <laughs> over in heaven, you know, there's no pressure, no time clocks, no days. Uh, it's just hanging out. And so there isn't that pressure. Tell us a little bit about your adventures with the Ouija board. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, the Ouija board. It's so nice to have you. <laughs> oh, man. What? Oh, God. Okay. Well, so when mom and I were told that we had psychic abilities and a psychic told us and said that we would one day be famous psychics and my mom and I both were like, <laughs> Why do we have to do this stuff? Okay, so, you know, we had no idea. what. what how do you become a famous psychic? So there was a new age bookstore in the sleaziest part of downtown Minneapolis that there was a bookstore. It was called Gnostica Bookstore. So we went down there and it was one of those kind of deals where you want to wear a bag on your head so nobody knows you're going in there. And we went in there and we bought a Ouija board and we bought about $100 worth of incense. Uh, we figured that's all we needed, a Ouija board and incense. And then we'd be famous psychics someday. Honestly, that's as much as we knew. So we bring this doggone Ouija board home and oh my God, we got so addicted to the thing. We wouldn't, oh, we'd burn incense and <laughs> we'd play with the Ouija board. <laughs> Oh God. Well, after a while, it 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 just couldn't maintain positive messages. It was always, it started saying things like, Echo's gonna die in a car accident, um, your house is gonna burn down. It's like, what? And um <clears throat> one night we were all sitting around the dinner table and uh we heard this voice from upstairs saying, Echo, like that. And it, it kept saying my name over and over, but Echo. It was, all of us, I mean, my whole family, we just went, what the hell? And um, so my mom quick called my teacher and my teacher said, Echo has a Ouija board in her closet, doesn't she? And we thought, yeah, okay, she says, she says, go upstairs, get the Ouija board, and burn it in the fireplace. Wow. So we went upstairs, we got the Ouija board, and we thought, oh, you know, we were so addicted to the doggone thing. And so we didn't want to burn it. We thought, oh, geez, you know, that, geez, that's so dramatic. And so what we did was we took it and we put it in the garbage cans. Now, the garbage cans was a good maybe 15 feet from the garbage when, when my dad put it out on the, on the street. It was quite a ways away from the house. And, uh, okay, and we went to bed. And the next morning we woke up and it was sitting on the kitchen table. And we all said to each other, did you put it? <laughs> None of us had put it back on the kitchen table. And so we took the board and we burned it in the fireplace. And that was our adventure with the, with the Ouija board. What an adventure. Yes, and it was. 
it, it's interesting that how often I've heard that Ouija boards kind of turn on you after a while. I wonder why that is. Is it that because there are very dark souls out there, and uh, do they just sort of catch wind of it and come to it after a while, or how do, how does that all work? Yeah. Okay, first of all, it's earthbound spirits, and they're bored to death, nobody to talk to. And when they see somebody's got a Ouija board, it's like, oh, wow, now we're going to yeah. have some fun. And so my experience has been that they, you know, in the beginning when they're working through that little planchet, um, they say nice things to people. They say things to people that people want to hear. But these guys can't stay positive for very long. And so before you know it, that's when they start saying ugly things, mean things. Um, they just, they just, I mean, you know, people think that it's, it's souls like the elders that work through <laughs> the Ouija boards. Oh, my God. Or the highest angels. You know, they always say, uh, oh, we're the highest angels. Oh, we're, we're uh, master souls. It's like, no. They're not, and they're just ghosts who have nothing else to do but scare people. You know, when you get to know this world a little bit, this there's no master soul who's going to say that. <laughs> no. That's not what they say. No. You find you're dealing with a master when you least expect it. Yes, yes, the yes. Humility is the name yes. of the game. Yes, there. yes, yeah. yes, it is. And... They're not going to sit here and brag on a Ouija board that they're, you know, a grand master. Oh, God. No, but not at all. People have to learn. They have to learn. Well, exactly. And we, you know, and so we do. I, I've tried a Ouija board just one time in my life, and it was enough for me. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> now, you know, you made a brief comment about early on about people who die suddenly. Yeah. Can you talk about that because, and how do, and basically, how do we prepare ourselves right now for what is absolutely inevitable so that even if it happens all of a sudden, we're yeah. ready? You know, what I think it is, is if we're walking a spiritual path and you know, we've thought about death and we've worked on ourselves and, um, and then if we suddenly die, we're not, it's not a tough death if we've been working on our spiritual path, if we have good positive beliefs about life after death. Um, it, okay, let me say it this way. If a soul is on a spiritual path, then it knows, it's conscious that the end is coming. And so the soul can get its body to do certain things, uh, knowing that the death is coming. Now, for souls, for people who aren't on a spiritual path, um, they haven't really thought about any of this. It's their deaths that can be really hard. If the death is immediate or fast, uh, they're kind of shaken up and they come out of their body and they, they don't know what to think. They, they don't understand this. That can be hard for them. For people who have read about death, studied death, 
studied life after death. Their soul, their soul is prepared. Uh, I'll give you an example. A friend, uh, one of my, one of my students, I hadn't seen him for like ten years. Out of the blue, he called me one day and he told me that he loved me. He was really grateful for everything I had taught him. And he sounded so peaceful. It was really nice. And he said he was just really happy and life was good. Okay. And the conversation was brief, but, you know, we hung up and it felt really good. The next day he died, a sudden heart attack. His wife told me that he, he spent that entire day calling all the important people in his life and telling them that he loved them and thanked, him, thanked them for whatever they meant to him in his life. He was prepared. His soul was prepared. His soul knew the end was coming. And so his soul just, you know, gave this kind of um, message to the conscious mind. Not, it didn't say, hey, we're going to die on Saturday. But it said, hey, let's call up our friends and tell them we love them. Okay. So if people are paying attention, again, that's, that's the key word is if people are aware of their thoughts and their beliefs, um, then death, well, I shouldn't say it that way because, um, well, okay, what I'm going to say is if people have walked a spiritual path, and that's what my teacher said too, for people who have walked a spiritual path, their death is not going to be rough on them. If they haven't, then yes, the possibility is strong that it will be difficult for them. So what I would say to anybody out there in dreamland is, come on, think about it, read about it, read about life after death, um, because this is where you're going to go next. So why not read about it? You know, uh, when people all of a sudden are going to go on a vacation, let's say, oh, they're going to go to Argentina. Well, they read about it. They um, look up stuff on the Internet. They they get all ready for their trip. And it's kind of like that's what we need to do is prepare for Okay, our physical our physical body will die, but that's all. And our soul is just going to soar on to the other side and be prepared for it. Don't don't stay in the dark about it, really. And one of the ways to do that is to pick up a copy of How to Live <laughs> a Happily Ever Afterlife, Stories of Trapped Souls and How Not to Become One. Echo's got a lot of good advice in this book. I know because I live this in this world too. And yep. uh, it's a lovely book. And thank you for a lovely interview. It's so nice to have you back again, thank my dear. You. Thank you. Bye, Bye, Annie. See you later, Annie. Yeah. Bye, Bye, everybody. <laughs> loving it, I'm sure. She doesn't seem to be with us at the moment, but she sure was early on. Yep, she was. Good. Thank you, Whit. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Dreamland. Be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by UnknownCountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host. And I'm your announcer, Ted Alexander.